Hi, I'm Todd Nathanson. And I'm Lena Morgan. This is Song versus Song. And this week... Well, hold on. You pick this one. Why don't you introduce this one? Sure. So, last episode, previously on Song versus Song, you wanted to do two songs with um, sort of uh, white and white adjacent people rapping quickly. Yes. Uh, so we did Third Eye Blind versus Bare Naked Ladies, Semi Charm Life versus One Week. And during that time, I discovered that Stephen Jenkins had dated some people, one mm-hmm. of whom was a woman 16 fucking years younger than him, <laughs> uh, that being Vanessa Carlton. And I was like, holy shit, Vanessa Carlton? Haven't thought of that name in a minute. And then I realized, oh, I would love to do... I started going... I got derailed, right? Mm-hmm. I stopped researching the episode that I was supposed to be researching and started listening to Vanessa Carlton. And I was like, we have to do a song. But we have to do a song for a song with her. Has to happen. And that became extremely obvious. Like, if you're going to do that, the person to pit her up against is Michelle Branch. So here we are. We are doing Van- Vanessa Carlton's A Thousand Miles versus Everywhere by Michelle Branch. We had some disagreement about whether or not Everywhere would be the song for Michelle Branch, but that was her first hit. Uh, mm-hmm. A Thousand Miles was Vanessa Carlton's first hit. So it seemed to me the natural pairing. And also, as of this point, if you look on Spotify, if you look on YouTube, everywhere is the song that historically now, the long mm-hmm. arm of history is the one that people listen to the most. So I did not know that because I, I would have guessed All You Wanted, probably. Sure. But regardless. It was at the time. When it first came out, that song was the bigger hit. But the long arm of history has shown everywhere to be the bigger one overall. You know, I have always had this in the back of my mind, Michelle Branch versus Vanessa Carlton. And I never got around to it because I could never pick. I could never pick which Michelle Branch song would go against uh, Vanessa. And also because uh, this has got to be a blowout. This has got to be a fucking blowout. There is like if you uh, put Michelle Branch's entire loaded discography of hits together you would get one a thousand miles was my feeling so if you hadn't called the audible on that one i would not have i would have put this one off forever probably you know i here's what i'll say to that um i don't know that it really matters anymore (laughs) the the blowout stuff because the blowout stuff happens all the time um sometimes we expect it and sometimes we don't but like i like i said nothing no michelle branch song felt right to me like michelle branch versus vanessa carlton makes sense but any Michelle Branch song versus A Thousand Miles, uh, that does not make sense to me because, like, one just towers over everything Michelle Branch has ever done, including a, a, a few songs I really like. I really like a lot. Well, that's sort of the interesting question, isn't it? That's sort of, you know, I mean, insofar as there's anything scientific about song versus song, yeah, it's interesting to discuss one artist who uh, had many hits right, and another artist who really... Only had, I mean, like, te- I guess technically had two or three, maybe, but like, really just had the one. I saw, I saw Vanessa Carlton uh, music videos at the very least that were uh, more than just the one she's known for. I, they were, they were trying to make her a thing. They didn't, like, she wasn't a one and done. They were, they were pushing to uh, ring some more hits out of her. But even if you ask Vanessa Carlton, she considers herself to be a one hit wonder, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that she, considers uh ordinary day or white houses to be big enough mm-hmm. comparatively to certainly suggest- if i if i if i ever did like a one-hit wonder episode on my main job in youtube like i don't i don't think i'd get any complaints no right. I take, in, I, in I, fact I, people I, people want you to do that 
Yes. They want Vanessa Carlton. You should do it. Uh, although I am going to talk about you could you could just liberally take from what I'm going to say in this episode if you like. I'm doing your research for you. You're welcome, Todd. <laughs> Vanessa Carlton is in many ways a, a, a one hit wonder, and Michelle Branch is somebody who had a little bit of a, a, a longer career insofar as the the number of hits she had. She had some hits off of her second album, um, mm-hmm. and then also she you know she did a little country stuff with uh, with one of her musical partners for a little while. The Wreckers, I remember them. They had some good uh, they had some good songs. Uh, so it's sort of interesting to look cumulatively at that. And also, I think in this case, uh, there is a point to talk about the difference between the spirit room and be not nobody as records. Cause these things also like, am I, am I, no, it genuinely, the spirit room to me is a better album than be not nobody is. I, I, I'm laughing because I forgot it's called be not nobody. It is pretty amusing. And, and also if I'm going to ding Vanessa Carlton for something, and it's not even really her fault. However, she is involved in one of my most hated cover songs of all time. What, the, the, the Painted Black cover? Oh, no. She's done a lot. Oh, like, no, I, oh, I don't hate that one. Oh, you're talking about uh, the Counting Crows' Big Yellow Taxi. That, Ooh, again, bop, bop, I, bop. I don't think that's her fault by any stretch, but she is on it. And therefore, when I think of her, I think of uh, the Counting Crows featuring her doing Big Yellow Taxi. Uh, and that I, 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 I don't even know how to explain how and why in <laughs> the depths of my hatred for that cover. I just don't. It's like it just feels overproduced. Like there's just like the original version of that song is so effortless and real and like kind of rough in a way. And like it's just beautiful. Like. You know, when you when you hear like Joni Mitchell, you know, uh, fucking like that laugh, the way she laughs in that song, like, <laughs> like she's just real, like she just feels real, and that song, that version of the song, just not feel that way at all. Again, I don't think it's Vanessa Carlton's fault. It is one of those things that's inextricable from my mind. So, all that being said, is that enough to to cancel out the, the enormity of a thousand it. miles? No. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. My, I, where we, where do, where do you land on it? I guess is my question. My thing is, I did not get the big deal about Michelle Branch at all. Like at least on that first album, I was like, these songs are. I don't know. There's like, I was listening to a lot of VH1 rock at the time, and even still, I couldn't like, why was Michelle Branch such a big deal? Like Avril, I got. I mean, these were the. The, the three girls that were big at the time, Michelle and Vanessa and Avril and everyone kind of associated them to get together. But Avril kind of retains her stardom 20 years later and Michelle and Vanessa just kind of faded away pretty quickly, which felt right to me. Also, Michelle and Vanessa, we always kind of associate with each other because they look really similar. They have the same hair and everything. Well, they OK, so let me say this. I think they are they were their hairstyles hmm. were similar. I don't think they look at all the same. I get why people think they look the same. I disagree. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, like Michelle Branch, especially in that Everywhere video, like she just dressed like everybody in two thousand two. Like, mm-hmm. that, like I was like, wow, this is the most the way everyone Dude. I've I ever saw dressed in this era. It's like. Just a lot of like Abercrombie, American Eagle. Like it's got a very, it's a very specific time in American fashion, and she she yes. hits it perfect. Anyway, mm. I I have a question for you. 
Um, well, there's a thing I want to say first, which is that, you know, a lot of people, so basically 2002 is when both these songs got big, right? Like, right. a lot of people kind of hard on 2002, you know, because they think like, uh, it's the year after 9-11. It's a rough time. <laughs> World's crumbling. Would but not really songs, call it a great time to be alive, no. But but let me say this, you know, for me it was great. I was, you know, was about to finish college. My 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 life was just beginning, just opening up. <laughs> you know, you uh, got some good X Men movies out there. Dark Knight trilogy <laughs> happening, like a lot of a lot of good yeah. things. And, and besides, that's a little think, later than two thousand two. But listen, what I'm saying to you is, we all know that there were still a couple of good years left before the housing crisis at the end of 2008, at which point things actually did end and everything has been terrible afterwards. <sighs> uh, anybody else watch that <laughs> NFT folding ideas video? Gosh, that was yeah. depressing. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, right at the beginning, they're just like, God. Anyway, my point is that 2002, 2007, there's still some good stuff in there, and now that we're in the pantheon of is thing good, actually, you know, now that we're all in such terrible times that we're just seeking comfort and whatever crap we ever might have kind of liked from the before times, my mm-hmm. question to you, Todd, is this. Is 2004's White Chicks good? I've never watched it all the way through. Based on what seen- you've seen... <laughs> I think literally the only parts I've ever seen are the Vanessa Carlton bits. Like, and, and not for any Vanessa Carlton reasons. It was just what came on when I was flipping through comedy central once upon a time in 2005. So I cannot say, I mean, they certainly did not look particularly like white chicks. No, I think it's really, really important to emphasize. So I, of course, was deeply interested in this film conceptually because <laughs> I thought, wow, if you Wouldn't could Wouldn't it be make, great to be white? Yes. Could, yes, that's what I thought. <laughs> um, definitely, 100%. But the idea that somebody could make up so well, they could make two black gentlemen look like two white ladies uh, was appealing to me for some reason. Uh, but what I discovered instead was that they didn't really look like women so much as they looked like, what if there was a Texas Chainsaw Massacre prequel where in <laughs> Leatherface tried to infiltrate a sorority? <laughs> uh, by the way, if anybody can hear music in the background, I hope it doesn't pick up on the mic. But for some reason, people have decided to have like a duo, like there's a band outside playing music of my house right now, and it's very loud. Oh, well, I'm not hearing it. Good sign, um, good sign. Are they, good are they playing uh, a thousand miles? Uh, no, they were playing stuff that sounded a little bit like everywhere. It's definitely acoustic stuff, so you'd fucking hate it, Todd. Uh, uh, I, I'll tell you this: white chicks and that particular scene of a thousand miles could only have made, been made in two thousand four, because I think by like two thousand seven, you could not write a scene where someone did not know the words to a thousand miles. Like macho black guys or not, like literally everyone. I mean, sir, there's a there's a hip hop song out right now called uh, "Who I Who We Smoke" or "Who I Smoke" that samples this song. This is a so there's a really interesting thing, and and I can only I black chicks has to be, white Jesus, chicks. Jesus yes. Christ, Paul, take that out. Um, I have to conclude that white chicks is the reason. But there are a bunch of yeah, rap I'm, I'm, songs that have sampled 
this song? A bunch. I, you know, it could be because they they all know it from White Chicks, which we have all seen at some point. Yeah, you've some seen at least you've seen at least something. You've seen if you've not even seen the whole thing, you've seen some part of it. I, I like to believe that even without the towering cinematic masterpiece that is White Chicks, like a thousand miles would have permeated like literally everyone's consciousness. Well, by it was this certainly time. it was pushed. Uh, I will say that something that I discovered in my research that I didn't know, which is that there was an NFL Thanksgiving Day halftime show in 2002, was, uh, which featured Bon Jovi uh-huh. and Vanessa Carlton. Huh. Could not find a YouTube video of Vanessa Carlton singing at a football game. I have to assume that the boos were endless. <laughs> It, I like the reason it's not online, I assume, is because it didn't go great. Like I could be again, you know, could be wrong. I have no evidence to that. But like, does that seem like a football game song to you? Does that strike you as a, as a football tune? You've you've brought this up in the past as songs being good at certain sporting events. <laughs> do, you, do you do you feel like people are going to be getting excited at the at the at the football stadium? I like football and I'd be excited <laughs> Todd, do you think you're representative of most people that like football? Like I said, I, I think if she if she got on stage in like 2022, say, like at this coming Super Bowl, I think you could get the entire crowd on their feet to do a thousand miles. Like this is a, a song that has only grown in stature. But this brings me sort of to the point of this, which is that what I remember about that song first getting big and technically uh, other than White Chicks, it also prior to it being released, released, made an appearance in Legally Blonde back when it was still called Interlude. Really? I, I, I've seen that movie a few times. I don't remember it's it. A, it's in the background. Uh, anyway. <laughs> that's, that's, that's hilarious to me that it was going to be called Interlude. Like, we have, I've written, the, like, the, possibly the song of the decade, and I don't want to give it a real title. Like, uh, Vanessa Carlton was, was saved by her marketing team there. Well, not only, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, last episode we talked about Bare Naked Ladies and they thought where they thought one week was going to be a B-side. Mm-hmm. They thought it might be the death of their careers. So this stuff does tend to happen. Uh, you know, people don't well, usually know that they've got lightning in a bottle. Michelle Branch didn't know uh, Everywhere was a hit. I don't think. Well, like, no, she had started her. Her parents were like trying to help her out. Right. That was the story that they she had mm-hmm. recorded like another short album prior to the spirit room that her parents had sort of helped her with. You know, I, I, I want to say here that um, I wish I had said it at the time because I was talking shit about Michelle Branch uh, earlier because, you know, for this episode, I went back and listened to that album for the first time. It's actually pretty solid. It's good. It's good. The spirit room is yeah. good. I it's wish a good I, record. I'm going to get a whole lot of shit from people who are, uh, you know, didn't listen to this far into the podcast. Who are, like, because Michelle Branch is still very, anyone who was the right age in of that time, Michelle Branch is still very near and dear to their hearts. I discovered and, when I was researching this, a lot of my friends were very excited about this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, who are all, a little, all, all around my age, a little bit younger. Uh what I would say is really interesting about this, the reason why I brought up that NFL thing for Vanessa Carlton is that I hated A Thousand Miles when it came out. Whoa! I did Whoa. not like that song. I, and when I say I hated it, 
I mean, I hated the fact that I liked it so much and did oh. not want to acknowledge that I liked that song. You know, it's it's funny because I, I was reading the critics at the time. You know, I don't do that anymore because I don't really care about music or music criticism. But at the time, <laughs> I was, uh, you know, reading people say, and there were a few people, like a couple people, who were like went to bat very hard for a thousand miles that I was reading, and this was before poptimism. This was like this was a time when you were supposed to be like deathly ashamed of listening to this shit. Anything. I mean, she's like, a, you know, what, 17, 18 or something like that. She's very young. She's writing this song that's, you know, floofy and lyrically does not really make any sense. You had to really put yourself out there to say, actually, a thousand miles is very good in 2002. At the time, but it was it, just but a it stupid is. puppet. It is. It's very good. It's great. So, all right. Um, what I think is interesting, my, my thesis is about this song. The reason why it got some some backlash, as it were, is actually part of why I think now I really like it, which is the production. It's very well produced, yes. It's a very well produced thing, but let me tell you, it's produced in a very particular way in my mind. When I went back and listened to it for this episode, what I discovered was it has a very Disney quality to it. House. I mean, I, I, I do kind of get it, but go, go on. Ex- elaborate. It's, what I would say is, so it's the way, and so it's the way in which, like, she'll have a lyric, which is sort of a call, and then the music will respond. Right? The music is a mm-hmm. character in the songs, and to me, there's something very Disney about that, and there's something just in general about how perfect it sounds overall. Michelle Branch, uh, it's a pretty clean production, but it's a little more bare bones by comparison. It's meant to be a little more grungy, and I think it succeeds in that endeavor. I actually think that she's she felt a little more authentic to me than some of the Avril stuff at the time. Because the Avril stuff, I mean, again, I, I felt like she seemed... And I have no idea if this was the, the 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 thought or not, but to me, she seemed kind of phony, and I have since let go of that. But Michelle Branch yeah. seemed real. Vanessa Carlton, it just seemed like a song that could have been sung by a Disney princess. But now I think, so fucking what? Who cares? <laughs> but in particular, you, you know the part where um, she was staring blankly ahead, just making my way, making my way through, through the, the town. It's crowd. It's crowd. Crowd. Is it fuck? It's crap. Yeah. So, uh, so what happens is she goes crowd, mm-hmm. and then the very first time the orchestra comes in, those the string section, it's in a direct response. Crowd. Yes. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant production. It's really, really good arrangement, and the rest of the song is kind of like that. And she does that later in her career. I discovered where her she kind of she sings a thing. And then the music responds. People were complaining that there's like some kind of like there's like sirens in the background at one Uh, point because, you know, they had this idea that she literally is like going through the town. Right. Right. She's going through the city and everything. And so they included that. She's got a song much later in her career. In fact, on our more recent album where she's she's singing about rain and you hear some. Rain in the background. That's very electric light orchestra to me. You know, <laughs> I love that as an idea. She, she, if she sings about a soldier on a song, that she'll do a little bit of like the, the drumming will be like, you know, that that sort of like soldier drumming kind of thing, like that right. rapid drum. But she'll do that. Yeah. 
you know. Anyway, I love that. At the time, it felt too perfect. It felt mm-hmm. too idealized. It felt, as a result, somehow fake, right? As though I was still living that teenage life, that idea of someone being a born sellout. So right. I, I loved that song in my deep downs, but I didn't like that I liked it, so I hated it. <laughs> oh, man, I I do remember that feeling of, uh, man, the the atmosphere was so different 20 years ago. Were you? Yes. Yes. Well, like I think that's the main difference between Michelle Branch and Vanessa Carlton. As as writers, Michelle Branch was a very down to earth kind of uh, writer, and uh, Vanessa Carlton was more of like your pretentious artsy chick, head up in the clouds. Well, she was literally a, a, a dancer in New York. She was a was Juilliard. She? Yeah, I did not know that. She, she was originally going to be a dancer, and. Uh, as it turns out, that's uh, very hard to do. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 dance instructors and such uh, in New York City uh, very fucking mean. Uh, and so, at what one point she decided that she was going to start playing a piano because she knew how to do that, and she started writing songs. This is one of those songs. A fun fact about this song is that it is apparently written about a very present day famous actor that Vanessa Carlton refuses to name. That is amazing. There are theories. Would you like to know the two names that are considered to be the most likely contenders for who A Thousand Miles is about? One, Anthony Mackie. Anthony, was he a thing at... Okay. Okay. Yeah, that was the same well, year as, uh, uh, as you're eight thinking miles. about in terms of like he would have been in school at the time, right? Yeah, like, that, we're talking was, about like would he have been in this area of New York in this school at the time? Yeah, I, I guess that that lines up. He was in eight mile that year, so that 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 could work. I, huh? Anthony Mackie would not have guessed. Listen, a beautiful man. Mm-hmm. Do I agree with some of the things he says on Twitter.com <laughs> on the internet? No, not particularly. But well, there's a a, a a beautiful man. I think cannot be disputed. Beautiful. The other gentleman in question. Now, I think it's interesting that everyone has assumed a man. I guess I my understanding is that Vanessa Carlton is bisexual. So who knows? But the other man in question is Oscar Isaac. Jesus Christ, Vanessa Carlton. Like, let me tell you something right here, right now. If I ever get the opportunity to interview either of these men. I'm going to ask them if they know that this is a theory and if either of them know if the song is in fact about them. I want to know so bad. Oscar Wait. Isaac, a mil- I mean like both honestly, like I don't know if I like if I had to choose in my heart of hearts, Oscar Isaac is just a gem of a human being. I think deeply unproblematic as an end. Oh, who cares? I don't yeah. know why I care. He's just very attractive. Like yeah. I think they're both very beautiful men, but good fucking grief. Oscar like, Isaac sounds Car- right to me. Vanessa Carlton is a player. Jesus Christ. Like, I mean, I can't tell you how much I would have rather her dated either of these two gentlemen <laughs> over Stephen <laughs> Jenkins. But that's neither here nor there. You know, it's a funny thing. In uh, Pitch Perfect 2, like which, which you watch for the, the bonus episode, there's mm-hmm. a bit where like the, the riff off is... Uh, the theme is I dated John Mayer and the, the German team starts singing a thousand miles. 
And I was like, I remember, I was like, really? And I'm not sure that's actually true. I think, you know, I mean, I'm not going to fact check pick per- Pitch Perfect 2 because who cares? But I've always like, is that true? I mean, like everyone's dated John Mayer, so. I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, here's what I'll say. Um, I So Be Not Nobody as an album is okay. I think there's basically just one really great song and one also ran and then the rest are just okay. I, I listened to it uh, for the first time too. And I, I, I remember actually uh, enjoying it uh Quite a bit. Uh, I re- I did not expect to because uh, the follow up to a thousand miles ordinary day I do not like at all. I think no, it's I, very bad. I, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, I just am. I'm really. Uh, it just doesn't do anything for me. Here's the thing that really, because so, I got so into the weeds with Vanessa Carlton. But you know, my biggest takeaway from researching for this episode was, do I love Vanessa Carlton? <laughs> I mean, you I don't know I- her. I don't know her, but do I love her music? Absolutely. Can't believe I have gone so many years not investigating how great she has become. And I don't like, you know. So basically, be not nobody. Uh, you know, it's fine. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's a mind blowing record. She does two albums after that: Harmonium and Heroes and Thieves, which are decent. Uh, they are very much, I think, attempts at at continued success. And I do, I, I have no evidence for this, but my perception is because the man she was dating, Stephen Jenkins, was producer, at least in part, on both of those albums. Mm-hmm. I I suspect he bulldozed her a little bit. He seems like, you know, like, I don't want to be a dick. Again, like, there's plenty that I like about Stephen Jenkins, but he's like me. He, he He talks a lot. He has a lot of things to say. He's got a lot of feelings. So I could see where he might be prone to dominate in a room as a producer. He seems like a lot. We talked about that last episode, but every time I've ever heard him talk about anything, like he's he fills up the room, let's say. But what's really interesting is after that, once you get past uh, Heroes and Thieves in 2007, she goes on a break and then she releases an album that's supposed to be a swan song. Her plan is to effectively leave the, the the pop music thing behind and start moving into different milieus, right? She's a multifaceted person. She's made a lot of money off the one hit. Mm-hmm. She can play around. She's things that she can do. She's discovered other directions she can go in. So she just pours her whole fucking self into uh, producing what's supposed to be one last album, and that album ends up being 2011's Rabbits on the Run. And that fucking record rips. It's great. It's a really good record. It's a really deeply personal record. There's a song in there that's definitely fucking about breaking up with Stephen Jenkins called Dear California, which I really like. But just in general, like the opening track, Carousel, is great. Um, And what I discovered is that after that, she just it's just all bangers. She put out an album called Lieberman. That's really great. The album that she's put out in this sort of pandemic era called Love is an Art has a, a single on there called The Only Way to Love, which I have been listening to on a loop I like so much. And that album in general is really great. Like, it's very ethereal. Um, I definitely think it's still, she's, like a lot of artists, she has, a, I think, a bit of arrested development in the sense that, like, her music still sounds like the 2000s to me. Uh-huh. Like, further into the 2000s, but the kind of 2000s music that I liked. Uh, so I just think it's a really strong record, and I think that she got better and better after there was this point where she no longer was trying to be a pop star. 
or there was nobody around her that was trying to push her in that direction. Once she was clearly just doing it for herself and there was nobody to stop her from doing that, I think she put out her best material. But retroactively, it makes me like A Thousand Miles even more. That's pretty cool. I, I remember hearing like someone going to one of her concerts and say, like before she plays her big hit, she goes, I am so much more than just this song. And, uh, you know, I've, I always feel bad when I think about that because, I mean, I didn't know any of uh, any of that. I'd listened to her second album uh, in preparation for this, and I actually like that a lot, too. So I'll, I'll check out her latter stuff. Um, it's good to know because I, I know Michelle Branch had like a real detour there for a while. Like she had like I didn't know she never put out a third album or at least she didn't put out for like a billion years. Right. She just, yeah, she had just gotten back to doing it because she had done a bunch of, yeah, she had done some side stuff and she's re-releasing the spirit room. Uh, There is a, I think it's already on Spotify, but they're going to do a a vinyl release. That's a brand new recording of it. And then I believe it's a double record. So it's that. And then the original recording. Uh, And so I assume she's kind of picking back up again, but uh, yeah, Michelle Branch detoured in the sense that she went and explored a completely different genre of music. Oh uh, yeah, I liked the, that Wreckers album. When she burst out in 2002, I did not feel her at all. I was like, I guess my feeling at the time was that this is all very basic, and I think I I stand by that. I'm I've just been I'm just more okay with basic, I guess, because uh, they're they're well written, well constructed songs. They just don't have like that magic hook for me, like the amazing piano riff, which will never be replicated. Like these are fine, solid, good power pop songs. Like, but they're, you know, a teenager wrote them. They're but what's it? What I didn't know is that Vanessa Carlton is older than Michelle Brown. I wish because she had such a like a child's face when yeah. uh, a thousand and, miles came out. And a child's voice. Yeah, it's funny. I you know I I saw somebody say that they felt that uh, Michelle Branch is a much stronger singer. I think I would probably agree that oh, yeah, absolutely. Of the two of them absolutely. at the time. I don't know that I would say that that's still true. I think that Vanessa Carlton, again, has grown so much in every possible way, and I think her voice is much stronger. Mm-hmm. Musically, do you, do you find yourself going, man, I think everywhere is better than A Thousand Miles? No, not in at all. Like I, I, I like everywhere more now than I did a week ago. For me, Michelle Branch's best song is Breathe off that second album. That That's her... Uh, that's her legacy to me, that one amazing song. Everywhere is, you know, she wrote it when she was 15. Even she doesn't, didn't like that song for a long time because, you know, it's a, you know, it's, it's a, it's a start. That's, you know, that's what a 15 year old writes. And it's, you know, it's, she's, it's a good hook. It's good. It's solid. It's well-constructed. It's well-produced, but I can't really imagine like it ever having like a place in my heart. Yeah, I would say that there is maybe there. So first of all, it's a very simple song, and that's not right. bad by any stretch. You know, I I voted for um, "Semi Charm Life" over one week, and that song is basically three chords mm-hmm. with like an A minor in there just for for flavor. Uh, and I, everywhere I, I went is, back and found the A minor. I was like, oh, I've been playing this wrong the entire fucking time. Anyway, go on. You fucking tried me, Todd. Anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Anyway, yeah, and the thing is that there is it's kind of the same thing with with everywhere. So it uses to me the number one chord used by teenagers learning to play guitar. That's the A minor chord. 
she cables up to the first fret, uh, one assumes because it's more within her range, but it's really just the three chords. It's A minor, C, and G with a like an F, but that's it. Now, is it effective? Sure. Is the, the part wherein it gets a little grungy, there's a little distort on that thing? Mm-hmm. Is there where where it, uh, it, there's like one part where I think there's like a like a like a G sharp minor or something like that, and it and it it, it takes it to an interesting place, but it's one spot. It's fine. Uh, I like the song. You listen to a thousand miles, and everything about that song to me is interesting, especially that little piano line. One of these days, I'm going to make you bring your. Yeah, I was piano thinking it was like up. it's not. Yeah, I'm gonna have to like get a, like a second piano, like a portable one, so I can set it up in this filming room. Or you know, maybe I'll just take my mic and uh, this re- recording down there and play it right now. You won't be able to hear it because I can't bring the the webcam. I do think at some point, I, yeah, I, yeah, like this. I'm surprised it wasn't. I, I almost half expected to see you in a different location or to have seen somehow the piano up there that you would bike bike uh, brought a little Casio keyboard. That's work. It's early. Like, you've got money. You, you're, you're daddy rich bucks. Go get, just buy yourself something. Go buy yourself a, another piano. I, I may actually. I need to replace the one I have because it's, it's crappy and it, it doesn't really work right. I for the for the culture, Todd, for the podcast, for the people. I think you must. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So the opening, the opening piano line of a thousand miles. It'll never be replicated. It's 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 brilliant. It's the reason why. I mean, everything about the song is great. But as soon as you hear it, and this was the experience also with the with the producer that ultimately did the final recording of it. So she was. Um, I don't want to call her a problem because I don't think that's the case. But she did something that you're not supposed to do when you're a new artist. So she didn't like uh, a guy that she was supposed to be working with. She felt uncomfortable with him. I don't know the details. She didn't talk about them in specific, just that she didn't really like the situation there. And so she basically said, I don't want to work with this guy. And so her stuff that she had recorded got thrown into the give it one last look before we throw it in the trash pile. Mm-hmm. And so they sent it to this other guy and they said, listen, listen to the, you know, listen to this trash pile and let us know if any of this should be le- should be taken out of the you know yield recycling bin rather than just being emptied out into the ether of nothingness. Uh, and he heard that song and immediately called them on the phone and said, "Are you insane? This is going to be a massive hit. This is <laughs> a number one hit, no question." And it was because of I mean everything, but especially that opening. The the rest of the song could be like fart noises, like. As long as it has that riff, it's a hit. Maybe not like a number one hit, but yeah. Oh, God. This and is why you. I... Thank you, loyal patrons and listeners, by the way. <laughs> yeah, we're really giving them their money's worth with yes. fart noises. Anyway, uh, yeah. What I what really got me, the thing that made me go over the top, because I do really like everywhere, and I'm sure we should we should talk about it a little more, because uh, I don't want to give Michelle Branch the short shrift here. She is very talented, and I'm mm-hmm. excited to see her return to that album and hopefully to be putting out new music. Um, you know, she's she's married to Pat Carney from the Black Keys now. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's a, you know that kind of blows my mind. It's like so, Vice did a story. Like basically, you know, like a, like a behind the music sort of thing about a thousand miles. Mm-hmm. It's all great. It when they were filming it, obviously it was it was pretty recent. 
So Vanessa Carlton was living with her parents temporarily in the midst of COVID and all that. Mm -hmm. And uh, a couple things happen. Number one, her mother. I, I love Vanessa Carlton's mother. Can I tell you, sometimes someone's mother can make a song better. Vanessa Carlton's <laughs> mother did this for me, and here's how she did it. Vanessa Carlton's mother was talking about how great the song was, how it makes people happy, how it was a huge hit precisely because it just brings joy to people. There's just something so beautiful and melodic and and instantly recognizable and connectable to the entire planet at large. I agree with all of that. Then she said... And it also is the reason that my daughter is able to afford a loft in New York City. Thank you very much. And I was like, this is the kind of Jewish mother that I adore. I recognize her. I feel her in my soul. She's my top number one fave. Uh, and just that, it just made me so happy. I was like, God, I fucking love you. Uh, just everything about that, right? Like that quick undercurrent. And also it made us a lot of money and so Vanessa has a nice loft yes. in New York. And I was like, yes, yes, I understand that. All of these things can be simultaneously true. So that I loved. And then they did this thing at the end and absolutely watch this because it's, it's very well edited together. It's smart. Whoever came up with this idea and then put it together, executed the whole thing as a genius. They had her play the song at the end. She's playing a thousand miles on the piano in her parents' house. And as she's playing it, they start to talk about how there is a universality about sometimes a song gets so big that it stops being yours. Mm -hmm. And they cut to people at their weddings, people at karaoke, drag queens, people at like sporting events. She's singing the song. They cut to other people singing the song. People of every type, every age, all singing the song in the same key. Not always well. But occasionally, in between all these people, they'd come back to Vanessa, just quietly playing it in her parents' house, and then they'd go back to other people again, have her talk about, you know, like, elements, the profoundness of what it means to have a number one hit, even if it's the only one you ever have. Mm -hmm. And it gets to the end of the song. It's really fucking touching. And then you hear her parents' dog barking like a maniac outside the window. And Vanessa jumps off of the, the piano stool and goes, Sinatra! Because that's the name of the dog. Okay. And she's like, where, where is he? And you hear her mother go, he's with, he's with your father. And she's like, I'm living with my parents. What do you want? And I was like, oh my God, Vanessa Carlton, are, are you me? Are we the same? I just, in that moment, not only did I realize the profoundness of that song about what it is to be a very normal person who ends up having a huge hit. But it also made me completely connect with Vanessa Carlton as a, as a human being. I mean, again, I don't fucking know her at all, but like it was a very well edited bit of video because I was like, ah, yes, I understand. I understand you. Uh, and that made me just think, oh, I'll love this song for all time now. It's a selling point. I just think it's got the story, right? Like, I don't think everywhere has that tale that this song does. Uh, a Thousand Miles isn't just like it has a great opening. It's not just that they know how to use the orchestration to match the way that she's singing the song. It's that literally every part of this thing has an incredible story. She was trying to be something else, a dancer. She couldn't do it. So she wrote a random song about a guy who is now famous years after the fact. And then 
it just took on a life of its own that she had to find a way to live with, that she had to deal with across several albums, and then eventually was able to get out from underneath the weight of it to make music the way that she'd always wanted to in the first place. And now is, you know, whether or not she is a huge artist is making music that is unquestionably hers. I don't know. And it's just personally for me, music that I really love. So yeah, that's why, I mean, like, I just don't know how Michelle Branch's one song is going to ever top that. What What would you say is her, her, I don't know for one song, but her best song. Cause I, I already said breathe. No, I mean, I no, agree. I think, I think that's probably the same one for me. Yeah. And um, I, I love that song. I love that song a lot, possibly more than I love a thousand miles, even though a thousand miles is the better song because you know, a thousand miles I have to share with the fucking world. I will say, um, so there's also, we haven't, we haven't talked about what I feel is the elephant in the room. If we're talking about Michelle Branch, mm-hmm. arguably her biggest song is not hers. Are you talking about the Santana one? Absolutely. I, I love, love, I love that song. That's a Greg Alexander joint. I, I love that. Uh, everything he touches. I have not really heard that song since like 2005. And I do still hear Michelle Branch songs. It was everywhere. That song was yeah. huge. I mean, it was not as big as Smooth got, but man, I've, I've, yeah. if I had to put my hand on my heart, I prefer Game of Love over Smooth. I well, love that song. Well, speaking of songs that you have to share with the world, meme songs have been beaten into the fucking ground. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, I think that's the kind of the nice thing about Game of Love is that it just, yeah. it never it's, had to deal with that, right? Yeah, it's the Smooth that didn't get ruined. Yeah, <laughs> a- absolutely. It's exactly that. So that's, I, yeah, I think that's it. Like, Michelle Branch has got as far as popularity, as far as mainstream success, mm-hmm. cumulatively, if you put every hit, including that one, I think I, I think th- I think you could make a case that then, therefore, she's you know, she has more cum- cumulative pop stardom than Vanessa Carlton. Oh yeah, easily. Like, I, I I don't know why she disappeared for so long, like label problems or something. But like, it seems like the 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 time is right. Like if. She, she had like a comeback album. I would not be that surprised because everyone still really loves Michelle Branch. Like they're uh, like we were talking about like Third Eye Blind and Bare Naked Ladies. Like if you knew, you knew. So like, I think she could possibly have like a late career comeback on this one because people really do like her. And uh, I-, I saw her the other day on Buffy. And I'm still. That's my way right. Through. She's in an episode of Buffy. You've been watching, and I was going to ask about that. Thank you. Yeah, she said. She put in my notes. She sang a Willow and Tara's breakup song, right? I, I forget which someone's breakup song. I I think you're. It's been again. It's been a while. It's yeah. it's uh. It has suddenly become very difficult to watch Joss Whedon related <laughs> stuff for stuff for some crazy reason. Um, you know, it's a funny thing. When I started watching <laughs> all the stuff that has come out, you already knew. Like, yes, I did. Like this stuff is not know. a secret. I I have that says that is neither here nor there. But like, yes, yeah. I had been hearing stories about him because I had a Buffy fan site in my youth. Mm-hmm. So none of it was, you know, I mean, it was all hearsay, but there was a lot of it. Um, and so when it all came out as being like pretty unquestionably true, despite yeah. the things that he said, it was like, I mean, dude, this talk has been around for like two decades at least. <laughs> Come on. Anyway, uh, yeah, I. What do we want to say about? I just feel like I've had so much to say about Vanessa Carlton. I want I to know, say like more it, about Michelle Branch before we do the the four questions. I don't know. Like for me, like she didn't have that like star quality that Avril had, and she didn't have like that one amazing song like Vanessa had. 
she had a handful of really solid songs. I don't know. It's it's hard for me to feel very strongly about her. Like I've always that's always been my feeling about her. Like I you know, and I'm keep saying like people did, but I wasn't one of them. I look, I think uh let me say this. I do think that, you know, you saying like, oh, you know, she wrote it as a fifteen year old, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that as a song, lyrically, the way it's performed, everything about it. I think will always be a little bit easier to connect with. I connect with Vanessa Carlton on the whole. I've now mm-hmm. looked up and, and learned a lot about her and have said, ah, yes, I understand you and I have some things in common. I didn't need to know anything about Michelle Branch. I just needed to hear everywhere and be like, ah, yes, I was young when this came out. And I think if you hear that song when you're like in your teens or very early 20s, you are absolutely and instantly going to connect to that song. Connectability, I think it's I think it's the unquestionable winner. I just think she's I, more I find her more relatable if we're going by that metric. And I don't know, I, for those two songs. I don't know. We we talk about minivan rock and like there's no one more minivan rock than Michelle Branch. And for me, like like the nineties girls that inspire her, the Cheryls and the Atlantis and the Sarah McLaughlins and all those those were much more poetic people than Michelle Branch. They were like, lyrically, they would take like weird detours. Like you'd get an ironic or an all I want to do versus Michelle Branch, who just seemed like very like straight down the middle. It's like, here's a song. The song is a song. There's nothing going to be like particularly weird about it. Yeah, but she never, she never got like, uh, she didn't get completely destroyed by Kurt Loder, like Jewel. (laughs) Yeah. But these '90s girls that are they, all those girls are a lot more interesting. The Jewels and the Alanises and all them. I guess. I mean, I, I see what you're saying. I liked that Michelle Branch uh, felt unpretentious. Yeah, I think that there's two sides to that coin, and that is, I mean, you know, I can listen to everywhere over and over again. That is, it's not a hard song to listen to. You know, it happens that cumulatively, there's just too many things about a thousand miles that make it something that I just obsess over a little more. And that's yeah, you all in the is. world. I guess so. I'm, I'm on the right side of history so <laughs> yes. far. Who knows? Maybe, maybe Vanessa and I won't get canceled tomorrow. <laughs> Anything could happen. All right. Do you want to do, uh, yeah, I think it's time do you do these four questions. I thought for sure this would be a, a shorter episode and then I was wrong. Here we go. <sighs> we do these four questions. It's sort of, you know, circle the wagons, make some of the arguments that we've made over time all make more sense. Make a final answer, if you will, for a final assessment. Question number one. Todd, one of these songs could disappear. It's going to go away. As though it was never here, maybe even. Uh, and the other one, going to retain the, in the, in the memory of mankind forevermore. For the culture, Todd, which song must stay? Oh, gee. Tough, <laughs> tough call, I know. Oh, God. God. Oh, geez. Like, uh, do we even, can we just move on to the second question? <laughs> like... You're right. Everywhere. Yeah. Moving on. No, I'm kidding. No. Uh, it's it's, it's, a, it's this, a thousand miles. It's a thousand miles. Like they, yes. it's not even worth discussing. You're right. I mean, we, we we've already answered this one in the in the podcast proper. It's true. Soup to nuts. Question number two. You can you can see the production, the whole story of this of the creation of the song, including, including the music video, for one and only one of these two songs. Todd, which one do you want to see the full history of? I mean, well, now I know that it's about either Anthony Mackie or Oscar Isaac. Could be about like, another person. We don't know. But it could be about those two. Now I want to know. Now I got to know. Like, uh, I, I, I want to see the parts where they, the record industry 
stops her from na- naming it interlude, as in a thing that happens in the background where you ignore it. Like, and then having to tell her, like, no, no, this is not an interlude, Vanessa. We're going to rescue you from yourself on this one. I always like that music video. Oh, music video is great. Let me tell you something else I'd like to be there for. That halftime show. <laughs> I just want to know. Were, did people boo as I suspected because they weren't ready to accept into their hearts Vanessa Carlton and her greatness? Or am I wrong? And even then, it was incontrovertible <laughs> that she was the bomb. Uh, I don't know. I, w- I want to be there for that. So, yes, I agree. A thousand miles. Now we get to the, the real shit. Here we go. Question number three. Megan the Stallion. The hero that we both want and deserve. She's going to do uh, some hot girl shit with one, one of these two songs. Get ready. Going out for a, a night on the town. Hot girl type of shit. She's got a playlist. One only one of these two songs is going to be on it. Todd, forevermore, which one of these two girls, which, which one of these two songs is hot girl shit? This one's a little closer than the, the first two, but it's, it's still a thousand miles. I don't agree. I think it's got to be everywhere. I think that's a, it's a more of a straight rocker. I think that it's something you can really scream along to if you want to. I, I feel like white chicks might have uh, altered my impression on this one. I'll tell you what. I will switch my vote if and only if Megan Thee Stallion ever samples the, the thousand <laughs> miles, which could fucking happen at any time. At that point, then yes. and only then will I change my vote. It's possible. It could happen. Um, I am aware of of the fascinatingness that is that multiple rap songs have sampled A Thousand Miles. <laughs> I don't understand. I've listened to them, and every time I'm like, why? <laughs> this is so weird. I don't, like, I don't think it's bad, but it's so, it's so meme It's so, yeah. it doesn't feel, anyway, question number four. Not just a... Uh, the most important question that we ask on the show, but the most important question that anyone can ask ever, really. William Shatner, he's a he's a thespian. He's a a man about town, owns a lot of horses. Is he a cat? No. But <laughs> is he like a swinging cat? Absolutely. He's gonna do a Shatner version of one and only one of these two songs. Todd, which one of these songs must be shot upon? You know, I just feel that everywhere doesn't really give him much to work with. All you wanted, maybe he could do something with. But uh, again, I'm I'm going to give my fourth straight a thousand miles on this one. If I could fall into the sky. Oh, yeah. You, I mean, you think I, time it's, would it, pass me by. It, it almost kind of pauses there like a Shatner uh rendition already i mean we didn't even talk about the the tonight tonight <laughs> he would he would hit that tonight real real hard he would tonight that's a good tonight that is a good solid tonight placed right there i don't always love random tonights but i mean it, the, you're playing the smashing tonight, pumpkins tonight tonight and tonight. Well, Billy Corgan delivers that final tonight in the exact same way that Vanessa Carlton delivers her. Tonight. Tonight. That's a good tonight. That's a. We should do a ranking at some point of the best songs that use tonight. 
I'm fascinated by tonight's songs just because uh, I I read John Fogarty's biography and he's like, he calls it like just a genre of song, the tonight song. He cited the black eyed peas. I got a feeling as an example. And I'm just, and since then I was like, I'm just fascinated as just like tonight as a genre. Yeah, it is. It's a whole genre of music. At some point we'll do it. We'll do a side thing. Uh, maybe, or you could do, you could do one of your own fucking videos. I don't know. Yeah. You could do it at the same time as you do your Vanessa Carlton video, which you're definitely going to do now that I've given you this for free. <laughs> you're welcome, Todd. Wow. Uh, you, yeah. yeah you've done, you did quite a lot of research on that. I'm, you know, I'm now I'm actually considering it. I think it's worth it. I think it's absolutely worth it. She's great. Her music's great. The song is phenomenal. Anyway. All right. So I agree with you. I think William Shatner, a hundred percent, a thousand miles. I think actually, yep. I, I feel like I didn't even check my math. I don't think he's done it. But if he had, it would not surprise me in the least. Do you want to do yeah. some... Uh, some reader comments? Uh, yeah, I mean, the listeners, they know better than us. This I have said every episode. And Wisdom of crowds, we're, baby. We're, we're, we're idiots and they're smart, so let's yes. let them do it. I mean, the whole reason I started this podcast was so that I could get uh, viewers to make my content for me. So You, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not not true. So anyway, Gator McKinley writes... I like to imagine that Vanessa Carlton walked or maybe rode her piano a thousand miles to Scotland only to find out that the Proclaimers had walked a thousand miles to where she was at and felt like a fool. Uh, that's yeah, a what's good that, What's that story about like the, the guy like chopped off his legs to, 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 to sell them and then, and then get a, a nice comb for his girlfriend who had shaved her head so she could buy him some shoes. I'm, I'm making up the first half of it, but like there is a yeah, thing Yeah, the, the gift of the Magi is what you're thinking of and yep. like chopped off legs? What are you That's talking it. about? I watch a lot of horror movies, Todd. Okay. So I just, I like to take things to a body horror place. Okay. Rich Key writes, everywhere gets my vote unless between now and the final call, Vanessa finally reveals who A Thousand Miles is about. I know there's only an outside chance that it's Glenn Howerton, but please, God, tell me it's Glenn Howerton. That, in case you don't know the name, that's Dennis from It's Always Sunny. I didn't understand what that comment meant, but now I now I do. Now that you explained to me like the actor, man, I did not know that was a third option. Lot, there are a lot of names on that's there. A, that's, just... a, that's a that's a that that feels like a downgrade from uh, Oscar Isaac or Anthony Mackie. Let's let's not be that way to Glenn. Not to Glenn, Todd. Not to Glenn. He's the third most attractive member of the It's Always Sunny. Look, I just wanted to say Glenn a couple times. Okay? <laughs> Tippy wrote five paragraphs that I'm going to have to cut down significantly. But the point is, uh, she saw Vanessa Carlton in 2004. For every single song, Vanessa would start to play and sing, but then abruptly stop it dead in its tracks and turn to us and either tell us what the song was about or why she wrote it. After the third or fourth song, she finally explained why she did this. The song happened to be right after the infamous Ashley Simpson SNL flub. And uh, she told us, I don't want anyone to wonder if I'm really singing or not. So I'm going all over the place. You can tell it's really me. That's I can't weird, compl- right? I yeah. saw that comment, too. I was like, that, I mean, I think that she probably just was in a mood. And what I wanted to, I wanted to talk about her songs. Which, who could blame her? I think that's fun. I wish I had been there. That's like another question number two situation. I wish. That yeah. sounds so fun. Maybe she revealed who the song was about at that moment. Anyway. We should, we should, hey, listen, if you, if, if you, uh, if Tippy, if you happen to know the answer to the question, 
don't put it out on the internet because Vanessa Carlton doesn't really want the world at large to know, but definitely tell me. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know. But uh, yeah, I think anyway. that's fascinating. I forgot about that. That Ashley Simpson thing. Holy shit. Remember when that was a big deal? Yes, I do. Oh, anyway, Tippy continues to write. <laughs> God, sorry. <laughs> uh, she must have been pretty anxious about it because she kept talking throughout the show. She talked a ton. And because of this, I learned that Vanessa Carlton is completely and unapologetically weird. She told us that She Floats, the song, was about a ghost that lived in her closet named Victoria and would give examples of her experiences with the ghost. Other than ghosts, she talked to us about all kinds of stuff, some of which shows up in her writing, like unicorns and vampires. She's so beautiful and talented and inspires me so much, is the end of that story. Last episode, I said that I thought it would be fun to interview Stephen Jenkins, and I think that's true. But I would, I would give, I would gift the Magi my legs, since that's how that story goes. Mm-hmm. At least one leg would I give to talk to Vanessa Carlton about music, or literally ghosts, vampires, <laughs> a, a, a million percent. I, I love her as much as one can love a stranger. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Katie Gunn writes. Both of these are pretty good AMV songs, though. That's my own oh, secret yeah, fifth sure. question. Which makes a better 2010-era fan AMV? That song usually wins my vote. I do think that we should start thinking about... Additional questions? About, I mean, no, we already have two, Jesus Christ, yeah. so fucking questions, but I think there's a way to sort of incorporate... I have thought about this myself. You are not wrong for saying that. Uh, yeah, I used to watch a lot of those. They're not... Mm-hmm. I feel like... I don't know if they're still a thing that people do a lot. They must, but it's a thing that you watch in your 20s, I think. <laughs> your 20s are your AMV decade. Man, I watch a shit ton of AMVs, even though I don't like anime or watch it at all, because I like good editing, and I like music. And some of some of you guys are very talented with the cuts and edits. There were a lot of Supernatural and Doctor Who ones, or or, or Super Hulak, as was the, 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 the popularity at the time. Mm-hmm. So I watched a lot of those, um, and I guarantee you that there are ones for Vanessa Carlton, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Laura Pike, I think it's pronounced, Pike or Pake. Laura Pike writes, not everything has to make sense. Sometimes I love something because it makes no sense. But for some reason, I have always found the series of non sequiturs in the refrain of a thousand miles inexplicably infuriating. If I could explain why it bugs me so much, do you think woodchucks could chuck wood? I agree with this uh, this comment somewhat because the the refrain of a thousand miles has always kind of made me laugh at how just like ridiculous it is. Like, if I could fall into the sky, do you think time could pass me by? Yes, maybe. What does this mean? Yeah, I mean you're not wrong. Do I yeah. do I care? Not personally, yeah. but I understand why it could take somebody out of the scene. Yeah. All right. One last uh, comment, and it's like the last comment we got. So literally just like five hours ago, someone wrote this. Dan Monroe writes, legit thought they were the same person. That's not the only comment we got that was that, right? I definitely, no, that was the, I saw, that's the only comment oh, really? I saw. I thought I saw a couple of people in in the comments say that they thought it, they thought they were the same person. Uh, same yeah. haircut does not make same person. No, I, I, I guess uh, Vanessa has more of like a thinner face, I guess, versus the perfectly heart-shaped Michelle Branch face shape, I guess. I have a dumb rule, which is that I don't trust people with tiny noses. <laughs> I need I need a, a nose that I can hang a hat on 
that I could that I could just look at that is uniquely specifically that person's nose. Okay. I, I I don't know. This is a dumb thing. It's it's really completely like it's not actually true. But I like to say that I don't trust people with small noses. But I like Vanessa Carlton's nose. That's the end of the story. She's got a nose that I'm like I understand that nose. That nose is in my wheelhouse. Uh, therefore, she has the better face. She wins. Face nose rules means <laughs> Vanessa Carlton wins. Okay, I that is just the most random thing I think you've said on this show, and you've said some quite random things. I mean, you know what? I think history is going to prove me right on this one. All right. Well, I expected this to be a blowout. I'm not going to tell you what it was, but first you have to guess. Assuming you didn't cheat and look at the... Uh... I mean, I we both knew that 1,000 Miles was going to win. <laughs> I never had any doubt of that whatsoever. I think it was probably... My assumption going in was that it would be like a, a 65-35 split. Right. 65-35? That was my guess. So that was what I assumed going in. So even if I looked, and I'm not saying if I did or I didn't, I definitely did, but that was my <laughs> assumption going in, was that it would be a 65-35. So let's go for that. Okay. For 266 to 509, that is a 29-71% split. The, wow. the winner is, wait for it, 1,000 miles. Like, yes. Ugh, that was a, there, there was no contest there. I'm surprised that uh, she got a, a full 30%. That's... Listen, let me say this. Listen to Spirit Room. Spirit. I think that's a really I think that's a really good album. It is. And, it uh, is. And I look, I don't want to dissuade anybody from listening to the the full canon of uh of Vanessa Carlton, but I would assume that the that your average person has not listened to the Rabbits on the Run, Lieberman, uh, Love is an Art era, mm-hmm. and I think that that's a shame. So if I was going to set somebody on a path, I would say Listen to those three albums. I think they're really great. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, this has been a fun episode. I feel good about this one. And if you'd, like to, if you'd like to reward us for putting out such good content, <laughs> you can go to our Patreon. <laughs> you can go to our Patreon, donate us a dollar, and you'll get uh, all our bonus episodes. This month we're doing uh, recording uh, Tick, Tick, Boom. We're going to watch that musical and give our thoughts on it. And uh, you'll get our entire backlog of bonus episodes, too. you get see what we think about many musicals, like Dear Evan Hansen. It's true. I will say, uh, at, at this moment, as of this recording, uh, if, you can, if you can give a dollar or two dollars, I would definitely be appreciative. <laughs> Lately, I definitely have been, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to do, what, what do the kids call, uh, pay pig, e-bag. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know. If you can, I would appreciate it. Uh, I do want to say that the, the the vote that you just put out for what's going to be the February episode, I'm going to call some shit out real quick because, you know, I usually don't say a word, but uh, people have been trying to put some anime in here. I have no problem with that whatsoever. This month, I saw your Lion April come in here. This is Nodami Cantabile Erasure, and for the five fucking people that know you, know I'm right. I can't believe you're lying, April. Whatever, guys. Nanabi Cantabile. Where's I don't know. Nana fucking fully coolie. The youth, man. I don't. Y'all, y'all are troubled. I don't. I don't know what to say. What the um, fuck are you talking about, Lena? I'm what? talking about an. I'm talking about anime. Uh. A thing that eventually we're gonna wind up covering on this show. It feels really inevitable. I it it keeps getting put off. 
month after month after month. I don't know if it will change again in February, but it, I don't see any way how it's not going to happen at some point. Anyway, Nodami Cantabile is really great if you've never heard of it. Look it up. There's a manga. There's an anime. There's a live action series and some live action movies. Way better than Your Lion April. Psh, whatever. Uh, anywho, do you want to talk about the next episode? Last time you picked, and this one we kind of collaborated on together. Usually it's just me picking them. It's finally time. I've been wanting to do this one for a while. I've had this one in the back pocket. We will be doing Guns N' Roses' November Rain versus Meatloaf's I Would Do Anything for Love, but I won't do that. Rest in peace, Meatloaf. It is finally time. Yep. I'm I'm excited. So am I, because I got some thoughts. I will tell you, I had different theories about what uh, the Meatloaf song should go up against. Mm-hmm. I used to listen to that song back to back with uh, "End of the Road" by Boys to Men. Interesting. I couldn't, tell, I couldn't tell you why, but those ones back and forth were the, were the two that I was obsessed with like for a really long time. The, I feel like you could port the spoken word section of "End of the Road" in the middle of "I Can Do Anything for Love" and won't do that. Somebody it, fucking do that right away. It's not going <laughs> to be me because I'm lazy, but somebody do it anyway. All right, we'll see you in the next one. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. So long. Mm-hmm.